0: you're listening to a podcast from the media motel coming up this week in episode 397 Hal blaine and the art of
1: drumming things nikki haslan finds common and the best cartoon series of all time that's all coming up after the beach boys and god only knows
2: What I'd be without you? If you should ever leave me, though life would still go on, believe me, the world could show nothing to me. So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd.
0: One of the greatest songs ever written and recorded. Extraordinarily, it only reached number 39 on the Billboard Hot 100, but uh, made number two where we're far more sensible here over in the UK. Um, from the summer of 1966 in the album Pet Sounds, the Beach Boys and God Only Knows.
1: Mm, what, a, what a wonderful tune mm. that is. As uh, I, I think I often talk about my experience going to see Brian Wilson a couple mm. of years ago, but, uh, yeah, that was one of the ones that I spent 60% of that gig just in tears, and I think that was one of the moments at which I was in tears. What a beautiful song.
0: And as you know, I booked to go and see him as well on another gig, and uh, they cancelled the blooming yeah, thing. It's such uh, a pity. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 397. I'm Terence Stackham, and warning, sharp moving parts within, it's Juliet <laughs> Harris.
1: Hey, that's me, man. Hello.
0: Well, we just heard Carl Wilson's um, Heavenly Vocals on God Only Only Mm -hmm. Knows. And it's a track that should be welcome in everyone's life at any time. But I picked it particularly as we heard the news that one of the greatest drummers of all time, Hal Blaine, died this week. Hal Blaine not only played drums on God Only Knows, but on hundreds of hit records out of America in the Mm. 60s, 70s. As a session musician, he played on... Over 150 singles that made the top 10 in America, and that includes 40 number ones.
1: It's crazy mm. isn't
0: it Yeah. At the time much of the record buying public Believed that groups played on their own records Especially um, those that were Considered proper bands like the Beach Boys But the truth is that Hal Blaine And his session colleagues in the Wrecking Crew Were brought in to play on tracks For The Birds, The Monkeys All of the Phil Spector, mm. Wall of Sound Records The Carpenters, Simon and Garfunkel Fifth Dimension, Mamas and Papas. Hal Blaine played on them all He just turned 90 When he died this week Jules but what a legacy
1: absolutely yeah and the the point that you make about him being on absolutely everything Mm. Um, so have you been familiar with Hal Blaine's rubber stamp
0: yes yes. so so Hal Blaine had a rubber
1: stamp that said Hal Blaine strikes again and he used it to mark music scores and pieces where he played and um When asked to explain about the stamp, Blaine said, I always stamp my charts. And there's a reason why I started that. It wasn't all ego. And he used it for any piece of music he played on. And Mike Bott, who was another drummer, that drummed with Bread, some people might know, Mm -hmm. um, said every studio that he went to in the late 60s, there was a rubber stamp imprint on the wall of the drum booth that said, how Blaine strikes again. How was getting so many studio dates. He actually had a rubber stamp made. He was absolutely everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this until reading about him this week. But um, he... He did the drums on Be My Baby Mm. and um, uh, Max Weinberg said if he was only known for that, it still Mm. would have been a huge legacy. But he's also apparently popularised the disco beat. I didn't know this. The uh, the psh, psh, psh Mm. sound by opening and closing the hi-hats. He did that on Johnny Rivers' The Poor Side of Town. and It had been used in jazz, but professional recording engineers didn't like it because it sounds a bit like white noise and then in the 70s it was absolutely everywhere so i love the fact that he uh he inadvertently or perhaps inadvertently invented disco i think that's terrific and the fact that he played you say he played on number ones mm. he played on six consecutive grammy award um record of the year winners and if you and if you say what they are Delighted to inform me that my beloved Herb Alpert is on a brass one in 1966 for a taste of honey, and then it's *Strangers in the Night* by Frank Sinatra, *Up, Up and Away* by the Fifth Dimension, *Mrs. Robinson* by Simon and Garfunkel, um, the Fifth Dimension again for *Aquarius* and *Let the Sunshine In* from Hair, and then Simon and Garfunkel for *Bridge Over Troubled Water*. Just those, just those. That that run mm. alone is just crazy, isn't it? I mean, it, what a what a sort of talented and also the the wrecking crew generally because mm. he was known as one of the wrecking crew wasn't he mm. and uh, sort of loose for people that, that aren't familiar this loose collective of session musicians in LA and they were on literally thousands of studio recordings in the 60s and the 70s um, and between them you know you could just basically anything good in the 60s or the 70s had them on it really Glenn um, Campbell when Leon Russell went on to have their own solo mm. careers and uh, my my um, My much loved, um, I believe Carol was Carol Kaye. She was in the Carol Kaye bass player, yeah, indeed, greatest, most underrated Mm. bass players ever. So, so, and and isn't it funny how whenever we think of kind of the music that we love and the music that stays with us. You automatically think, oh, all these artists are great that did it, but actually, often they were just one or two people, and the mm. real sort of talent, not the real talent, but, you know, mm. the underrated talent came from the people that brought this music to life really, and Hal Blaine was very much one of them. So, uh, sorry to hear of his death, but mm. didn't he have a good innings?
0: I was thinking this week about my first job in the music business back in the 70s. I was at a music agency, and before I was allowed to work with the big name bands, I had to learn my way by working for a couple of months mm. in, in the the arm of the agency that had been going for decades and was dedicated to booking out the last remaining variety halls, an old music hall style mm-hmm. of venues, they were just you know, coming to the very, very yeah. end of their, their days. And I particularly remember booking out Hilda and her performing Poodles. Um,
2: <laughs> I think
1: these you've were, spoken about it.
0: I have, yeah. I, these were the acts I was <laughs> booking out. Yeah. Hilda was already uh, probably in her late 70s. Or I was em- going to say,
1: Hilda was not young at this point.
0: Honestly. No, she may have been in her 80s by then. But both she and her Poodles performed wearing little tutus. And mm. th- there was the balloon man who made animals out of balloons. And Frank Strong, whose business card said, Frank Strong, you can never go wrong with a smile and a song, which is fair enough, I (laughs) suppose.
1: I mean, it's sound life. There's little Mm. to argue there. It's sound life advice.
0: But reflecting back on the role of drummers, I can remember this. This was a time when places like wedding venues or dinner dance places would call us and ask us to send a small group for their event. And the conversation from the social secretaries of these venues would often start with them saying something like, well, now... Um, for next Saturday, I need four musicians. Um, oh, and a drummer, um, which would put the role of the drummer firmly mm. in its place. Uh, Drummers—they're they're, drummers—often so underrated for their role. I
1: absolutely, no, completely agree. Although, because when I was younger, it was very. It, it was kind of a bit of a double-edged sword if you were a drummer because there weren't many drummers around, which meant that if you were a drummer, you were almost guaranteed <laughs> yes. a place in a band because there was it was you know you were the only one. It did, of course, mean that you were the one with the most stuff to lug around. But on the plus side, it always meant that rehearsals were always at your house because <laughs> yes. uh, because the drums were never moved around. So so you'd always you know I'd spend so much time uh, as a young musician playing in drafty garages in places because that's where my friends who were drummers. Were relegated to by their long-suffering families. So, so you spend most of most of your sort of teenage years playing, and it always seems strange to me. Whenever I play an instrument, and I don't look up to immediately see a pot of paint, because that's that's how I sort of grew up being a musician, really, in garages. No, agree, drummers completely Mm. underrated, um, because it just sort of stops. You know, you can get by without a drummer, I think, but you, you, a, it's only getting by, and b. In a way, to go to the phrase of our of our age, no deal is better than a bad deal. No drummer is better than a bad drummer. Oh, my gosh. When you hear a bad drummer, you realise how, how worthwhile good drummers are, frankly, and how hard it is. And maybe that's why there aren't that many drummers, because it's really hard to play the drums, I think. I can just about play, but it's pretty... It's pretty demanding, both physically and mentally, and and there is a sense of responsibility. You are keeping everybody else in line, really. That is your job. So, um, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of drummers, simply because to me it is it is the most interesting instrument because there is so much you can do on it.
0: There seemed to be quite a contrast to the role and place of drummers between here and the USA in the 60s Mm. because while so many American bands had to call in Hal Blaine, we had Ringo, uh, John Bonham, Keith Moon, Charlie Watts, Brian Bennett, all finding their own ways to make drums innovative and an integral part of the new world of pop music. Mm. Coming next, are you common... Find out.
1: (laughs) Indeed. We'll we'll soon (laughs) tell you you if you are.
0: Find out after the new single from Pip Blonde.
1: I heard this on the radio the other day and I, I think, as regular listeners will know, um, this is a hot on the hills of PJMAR that I picked the other mm. week as well. I just have a bit of a, a weakness for sort of slightly alternative but fizzy pop fronted by women. I am having discovered uh, Boys by Lizzo last year. I just... There's lots of this kind of stuff around at the moment and I absolutely love it. It really is my kind of thing and I think it's just so so appealing and so so interesting uh this is um Pit blom who are from the netherlands and um i i just i love this song i think it's great it's called daddy issues
0: i really like that it's really uh, energetic and exciting and um, if you like that too Pitblom blom appearing on tour in the uk and all across europe this spring and summer
1: from the album boat by the way which mm. if you're like me you quite like brutalist architecture it has a very nice sleeve it's very pleasant <laughs> to look at in my view
0: We had a very pompous uh, headmistress at our prep school. You can see where I get get it it from.
1: Well, I was going to say, well, you know, you've done well to survive it, is all I can say.
0: When uh, addressing us as we left to go to the big school, um, Mm -hmm. I can still remember her solemn words of advice. This is absolutely true. She said, take advantage of the opportunity you've been given. And don't mix with the common children from the school Ooh, that was on the other side yeah. of the town. Yes. Um, that was her actual words. It sounds like a Jar- Jarvis Cocker lyric, really, doesn't it? But it was fairly regular mm. in the f- 50s, 60s, 70s. Don't
1: to live r- like
0: them, yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Re- 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 people were referred to, things or people were referred to as common. Now, Nicky Haslam, the interior designer and socialite, I think that's his job.
1: What, what mm, do you do oh, for a
0: living? Oh, I'm a socialite.
1: I was say, what does that, does that go in the bit on the passport where you have to put what you do? I don't know.
0: He's 80 this year so he grew up in that era of dividing well, that, people. That in
1: itself is slightly alarming. Well isn't he it, looks really? about cannot,
0: 30 because of the work he's crazy, done. That's
1: crazy, isn't it?
0: Um he grew up dividing people into, into thing, things into you and non-you, respectable or common. And um, But to, to help those of us here in the modern era, Nicky Haslam has compiled a lengthy list of things Nicky Haslam finds common. And <laughs> yes, the concept might make one's teeth grind, but looking at his list, can we really disagree? Because he, on his list he has...
1: Well, there were two lists, aren't there? Two so, lists. So are you going off the first one or the second one? I'm just
0: picking a couple at random, Jules, because okay. I'm such agreement with him. scented candles um has, i mean they're absolutely awful you find them in garden centres on sale and pound shops and they make my throat hurt and my eyes water so living statues um i mean who hasn't wanted to grab a sharp stick and poke one of these buffoons blocking the pavement at piccadilly circus and personal trainers Yes, just go out running or walking. Why do you need some Egypt in an Ibiza 2009 T-shirt and two tight (laughs) jogging bottoms yelling at you to do sit-ups? Jules... Nicky Haslam, he has this spot on, doesn't he?
1: Well, I tell you what is so interesting about it, and and maybe you know, part of me doesn't like snobbery, but the thing that I find so diverting about this, I mean, Suzanne Moore, the, the, the journalist, has mm. said it's amusing and it's just utter what seems to be utter randomness. It's uh, it's utter sort of right right and wrong, you know. just it, it, the, 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 there's little sense to it when you first <laughs> look at it. So when you look at, maybe laugh that one of them has been printed on a tea towel. Which which I personally would class as common, but apparently not, um, that includes, if you read them in a, lo- in a row, hmm. Caribbean at Christmas, most young royals, dress codes, yes. cufflinks and shirts studs, Scottish accents, speeches at weddings, James Bond, gourmet canapes, using dog walkers, um, going to the gym and minding about people smoking. Now, Who could argue? Are, I mean that is the gamut of class, but the thing that I that I I I think I've found a pattern in this, Mm. looking at this and thinking about this, and I think the pattern is. I think it might be about authenticity, or rather, misplaced authenticity, and people thinking that that liking or being certain things makes them of a certain class. So, so looking at his kind of second follow up list that he has helpfully autographed, so thank you for that, Nikki. Um, <laughs> which in a way is quite common. I don't know, anyway. But he he has put, um, so he says he find things that he finds common. So when you look on this list, he, there are some things like conservatories, um, washing hands after the loo, um, precise tipping, um, having guests remove their school shoes. There are some things we say, mm, this is a bit of a snipe at kind of what we call aspirational people. Is this looking down on people? But then when you look at the rest of his list, he includes, um, Henley Regatta, <laughs> um, pharaoh and Ball, sailing, the proms and hedge funds. So actually, those are things that you would think of as being maybe quite elevated in class. And maybe what he's getting at, I don't know, mm. maybe I'm, I'm reaching into this, I'm not mm. sure, but what he's getting at, I think. Are things that people use to show off about? I think, and to make yes. themselves think that they are a certain class. So maybe he finds the Henry, the Henley Regatta, weirdly to be common. I wonder if Can would be found to be common as well, mm. because it's just full of awful showy offy people that are so keen to show and tell you what you are, what they are. That maybe that is what makes them common. I don't know. So maybe it's not. Maybe being common is not. You know, reading the Sun. Maybe, maybe being be common is as he says shirts with initials on maybe being common <laughs> it's very keen to is being very keen to show people how much money you've got by having a monogram mm. shirt i mean i don't I don't, I don't see why people have them. So actually, when when people might say, "Oh, Nikki has them," calling people common is, you know, very snobbish. Maybe this is a sort of a, a, a the, exactly the opposite of mm. snobbery. Maybe this is this is picking people off for doing things which are not are not authentic. Because when you look at some of the things, or for doing, a <laughs> so wine collecting, for example, is particularly got at. I mean, hey, this is almost part of it veer towards being a communist manifesto, which is quite quite. <laughs> (laughs) entertaining really um so i mean it just makes me laugh that that wine collecting and duty free he gets that this is what makes it so entertaining so it's sort of it's almost private eye-esque in that it takes pot shots at everybody across the board i mean i'm entertained by it i can't bring myself to be cross to be angered by it because a i don't think i think it's really quite tongue-in-cheek and b like i say there is a weird kind of logic to it and it's and it's idea that that everyone that is described as being common are people who are not people who are not secure in their own identity i think i think that that's what this list is driving at, really which is is interesting maybe i've gone completely serious corner on this and nicky has, has him is just a bin of a person i don't know but i do i cannot help but like this and i do think that he is maybe trying to make quite a subtle but serious point
0: there's a couple of others that I picked from, uh, the, as you say, two lists. But more things Nicky Haslam finds common. Yeah, this um, is the
1: second list that's autographed, yeah. Got,
0: yeah. Uh, breakfast meetings. Well, again, he's right. Who wants to do blue yeah. sky thinking over toast and croissant? I mean, Absolutely. to be fair. Absolutely. Uh,
1: having been to, having mm. been to them for about two three years and met some genial people, I nonetheless don't disagree with him there.
0: You mentioned it a minute ago. Conservatories. He's right again. Terrible constructions. Cold in the winter. Too hot in the summer. People end up using them to hide the ironing and to put the cat's litter tray out there (laughs) when visitors are coming.
1: That's true. that interesting thing that me and my colleague uh, learnt yesterday, there is a difference between orangeries and conservatories. Oh yes. No, it's to do with the amount of glazing and whether or the the coverage of glazing. If it's if it's seventy five percent or above it's a conservatory. If it's only above fifty percent then it's an orangery. That's
0: right, and it also applies to the garden room. A garden room is again the one without without all the glazing on the ceiling, on the walls and on the floor.
1: But he's in your garden, yeah. yeah that's I, it. I wonder how Nicky Haslam feels about orangeries. <laughs> just glazing cover effect what is common as well. I don't know.
0: I've got one last one and that is cushions that have love embroidered badly <laughs> on them.
1: I mean, we know previous podcast listeners will know that you have issues with many, many cushions across I, things, I, 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 anyway. I, 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 but but if they're yes, embroidered. It's, it's, it's adding insult to injury, isn't it? Really. Although a friend of mine does do abusive cushions. If you, I might oh, buy one. Of her, I might buy one of her f off cushions for you for Christmas mm. that you can display on your sofa. So when you have, um, I say unwanted visitors. Visitors, I think, in your case, that mm. come round. You can you can demonstrate your unhappiness through the medium of cushions. That
0: sounds perfect for me. I'm I'm with Nicky Haslam and I think he should be in charge of everything.
1: Well, I mean, you know, as ever, you've always you've you've reached your <laughs> nuanced to rational conclusion here, I think. But you know, why not? Why, it, no one else seems to be doing a very good job of it? So why not him?
0: If you had to pick your three favourite cartoon series of all time, what would they be? Um, wheelchair. So,
1: I, I love the fact that once upon a time we used to do Current Affairs yes. on this podcast, and now we. Do do this and yet people seem to like this more as do we oh, So, uh, so yes, we be comparing Brexit deals we will be comparing Looney Tunes Hanna-Barbera and such other important issues yes, uh, we'll,
0: we'll tell you our selections right after America
1: you
2: want a piece of grass walking down the road tell me how long you gonna stay here yeah, Joe some people say This town don't look good in snow You don't care, I know Venture a highway In the sunshine Where the days are longer The nights are stronger than moonshine You're gonna go Oh, 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 Cause a free wind is blowing through your hair And the days surround your daylight there Seasons crying, no despair Alligator lizards in the air Highway in the sunshine, where the days are longer, the nights are stronger than moon shine. You're gonna go, I know, because oh, 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 oh. a free wind is blowing through your hair the days surround your daylight there Seasons crying, no despair, alligator lizards in
0: unexpectedly another track featuring Hal Blaine on drums uh, this one needing a, a different technique to God only knows also I, I quite I like his quote that he used the lightest drumsticks he could find but if a track hmm. needed a heavier meteor sound he simply turned the sticks round and hit the drums with the handles but that it's- is admirable
1: I'm a, I'm a fan of that that's superb
0: and by the way, um, one thing I meant to mention earlier, Hal Blaine, this is a sort of sad side to it all really, he ended up working as a security guard in Arizona in the 80s, 90s and 2000s uh, because he, he only received about $50 a session for all oh, those that, tracks he was on no royalties at all
1: it? oh mm. it's, it's appalling, it, you, you know that that is very sad like you say and very telling
0: that's a glorious song by any measure from one of my favourite mm. albums of all time not a filler track in sight on America's nineteen seventy album Homecoming that track released as a single in autumn uh, 72, number 42 in the UK number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100 America and Ventura Highway
1: as Alan Hansen used to say superb <laughs>
0: Oh, now, last uh, Jules, now I've got to pick you up on something. Last week at this time, oh, no. I'm okay, sorry about okay. this. We've got, to, we've got to get through this. Uh, I, I, I've I was got to at,
1: get through this. Who do you think you are? Daniel uh,
0: I was going to Stamford Bridge. Uh, I mentioned this. I was going to Stamford Bridge mm. to watch Chelsea play Wolverhampton Wanderers. I mentioned it on the podcast. And you told me the game was going to be a breeze for oh, Chelsea. Oh, no.
1: Oh, here we go. My, my legendary predictions strike again. Well, a friend of mine with whom I had lunch said the other day, you're banned from the predictions business. Since we had dinner the night before uh, the, the twenty sixteen American presidential election, and you told me there was no way she could possibly lose. Oh,
0: okay, well that says it all because we were one nil down as the game went into the last minute, and I literally had my, I had my phone in my hand to text you, <laughs> you and I'd written the word Juliet in capital letters. <laughs> I was like Juliet
1: how most of your dispatches to me start. I must admit,
0: mm, that's true. It was all your fault. But fortunately uh, for us all, Eden Hazard scored a wonder goal to recu- res- rescue us a point in the last dying seconds. So I put my phone away. They did so you-, say
1: that you wouldn't lose, and I was uh, right. In fairness,
0: I made a note: don't ever tell Juliet when I'm going to <laughs> Chelsea. That's for sure. Um, on a more positive note, uh, are on, you? On a-
1: of me now yeah, yes, I, yes. <laughs>
0: thank you for that I, I, are you mixing with the common people this week
1: <laughs> yes I, I thought I'd go and have lunch with Nicky Hazard and he could tell me off I'm wearing my, wearing a signet ring which I occasionally wear which is also on the list of con, common I had a lovely time at the Printworks last night doing lots of uh, lots of DJing which is mm-hmm. extremely useful um, and enjoyable played lots of um, big solely uh, sort of uh, slightly sort of big intense solely um, weird songs for the times that we're living in, so things like I Can't Stand the Rain by mm. Ann Peebles and Woman of the Ghetto by my own shore and, and things like that that really mm. seem to, I don't know what it is, about 70s kind of black liberation soul that seems to fit our current times over there, but over here. But it, it, it is odd. But anyway, next Friday the 22nd of March, I shall be DJing at the Dragon Bar in in Hastings. Ooh. Bongo Debbie is away again oh, but I shall no. be... Shall be holding the fort myself and then on, on Saturday the 23rd of March a little bit of brief politics here I shall be attending the People's Vote March in London so if you do see me do give me a wave
0: oh that's lovely well thanks to you for listening and and thanks to
1: Rona and Hilly that's thank, thank you to everybody at all times oh, that's right. even Nikki Haslam possibly <laughs> particularly Nicky Haslam but particularly Nicky Haslam who's inspired if me that, this week if thanking people is not in itself common it
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably is <laughs> excellent well the big question on um, every every listener's list,
1: yeah. yeah, every
0: listener will be thinking this. I, I just know this in my heart. Uh, this week, it has to be. Well, I really wonder. What are Juliet and Terence's favourite cartoons of all time? And
1: can I encourage people to join in as well, please? I would actually do this as a thread on Twitter. When I was bored on a train and there were a man and a woman apparently eating each other in front of me, and so I said, oh, oh you know, up. top five cartoons of all time. And it got a phenomenal reaction from people on Twitter. So everybody, step up and tweet us this week. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Kissing on trains, very common. Oh,
1: but heterosexual kissing on trains very common. Can I can I extend that? And if you do want our Twitter handles, by the way, Twitter isn't common in itself. Mm. They are at Sir Terence and at Superjules eighty four.
0: Well, you know, it's handy that all our listeners were thinking that you know what what are well, their favourite cartoons really as yeah. we're going to reveal each of our top three cartoon series in the history of mankind. And I had to rule out uh, such British classics as Ivor the Engine or Ivor mm. the Engine. Ivor, yes, uh, indeed. And Mary Mungo and midge on the basis that they're not really cartoons so um in with a bullet animation animation, yes stop motion i suppose isn't it a bit um in in with a bullet at number three um is one of the iconic images and sounds from the 1960s that made me fall in love with america along with batman the beach boys and the man Mm -hmm. from uncle the cartoon series that had an emotional impact on me was top cat Mm. Uh, foolishly rebranded as Boss Cat in the UK um, because there was a brand of cat food over here called Top Cat. But nobody called it Boss Cat despite the efforts of the BBC. Uh, There was something bittersweet about Topcat that I latched onto even as a young boy that the socio-economic conditions of pov- poverty in which mm. Topcat and the gang tried to they tried to sort of maintain <laughs> an existence while being repressed by the man
1: they were the ultimate grifters weren't they really they, they or, really or were, were they just working class heroes and who knows one person's grifter is another person's striver yeah there was Officer Dibble was always trying to keep them down mm. but
0: there was a peculiar twist in one episode that I, I remembered this week when I was thinking about this I must look at up on YouTube, see if it's there. Because in one episode, they all moved in together in Officer Dibble's house. That's, uh,
1: that's unexpected.
0: It was. It was so the cats could stay warm in the winter. I must look that up to see what was the outcome. Only 30 episodes were made, but uh, actually only 26 are ever shown, because four of them have... Um, Peculiar storylines. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, okay, well, that's,
1: that's unfortunate. Interestingly, there was a, I think it was Halifax, one of the major mm. banks, a building over here, did an advertising campaign involving Topcat recently. Mm. And uh, me and various friends were sort of analysing this because, of course, you know, I, I work in, in the legal industry. Mm. My friend said, you know, how can he get a mortgage on that dustbin if he's also <laughs> running a business out of there? And I said, I'm also concerned that he's saying that the dustbin was taken away by the trashman. Did mm. They have a compulsory purchase order. You know what were the? It, it was all, all very strange. But no, like you say, there was something very odd. My my um my sort of uh, all of my top three seem to have a kind of an socio sort of economic socio economic sort of base mm. to them. Is in but then there are lots that like you say I had to rule out. But there are some very strange cartoons. I mean, look at Scooby Doo, which seems to entirely be based around every storyline seems to involve insurance fraud all the time. Why don't they just assume that it's the man why doesn't they rule out the man that owns the building and then go from there because if they did each program would be two minutes long because it's always the man that owns the building also speaking of odd (laughs) sort of (laughs) storylines And I, I, this was exactly how I remembered it. And I was showing this to a friend of mine the other day who thought I was making it up and then was astonished that I wasn't. I was very keen on Alvin and the Chipmunks when I was younger. Oh,
2: yeah. And true.
1: they had a reboot of it in the late 80s, early 90s when I was quite small. And there was an episode that entirely... It was an American cartoon. It centred around the Berlin Wall... And basically, it was this kind of soft propaganda against the Berlin Wall and against, you know, kind of against, sort of, you know, the, the East Germany. And it featured a song which I have remembered almost in its entirety that it was almost Hasselhoff-esque in its kind of, you know, <laughs> striding the wall and singing. And when me and my friend looked it up, and, they, he, and he said, was this just before or just after the wall fell? It was 12 months before the wall came down. Amazing. So it really was this weird propaganda that I watched whilst eating Frosties, and I was a about five mm. in house Semi and hastings but my third best cartoon that i have picked which i am right i know i really like and i'm and i'm i'm really keen on and it does in itself say you know talk of discuss big questions of life is roadrunner and wiley coyote oh, yes. it's almost brechtian in it's kind of um in in wiley coyote's never ending struggle and it just goes to show and i think roadrunner is a good example of some of the things we've got going on politically on the left at the moment particularly here in britain which is, it is possible to be in the right and a victim of continued injustice (laughs) and continued people trying to bring you down and still be obnoxious at the same time, because Roadrunner is the one that's in the right, by and large. You know, Wiley Hmm. Coates should not be continually trying to kill him. That is clearly not a cool thing to do. But equally, Roadrunner's meep meep is one of the most (laughs) uh, is, you know, sort of the the ha-ha bully sort of playground thing. And there is just something so smug about Roadrunner that I find myself weirdly cheering on, you know, uh, the the vigilante that is Wiley Coyote whose mission is a doomed one and also an unpleasant one, but equally Roadrunner is so smug and so obnoxious that I do find myself sympathising with Wiley Coyote also just goes to show the dangers of consumerism and you know maybe consumer choice is a good thing though he constantly depends on the Acme corporation doesn't he and they (laughs) let him down every single single sort of day. Also my favourite Facebook meme which I always share whenever I see it just because it never grows old is um, one of Wiley Coyote's favourite methods of trying to stop Roadrunner was to paint a tunnel on a wall in the hope (laughs) that he can run into it and someone said isn't it sad that Wiley Coyote remember for his violence not his beautiful paintings of tunnels <laughs> so i am a fan of roadrunner and wiley kyle because you always know how it's going to end but they seem to find infinite different ways to sort of get to that point and also unexpected sympathy for a cartoon villain as well who is just so thwarted at every turn that you do start to end up feeling so it's sort of the theresa may of the cartoon <laughs> world really continually makes bad decisions but you still find yourself thinking oh no at times
0: I, I always felt sympathy for Wiley, and mm. I was always glad to see him bounce back from all of his yes, trials. Yeah,
1: did and, and, and although you know, we've all been him as well. At the moment where you're walking along and you suddenly realise there is no cliff left, either metaphorically or literally. <laughs> I think we've all been in that situation.
0: At number two on my list is a character who also um, influenced me as a boy with his sardonic, mm. couldn't care less attitude and, and quick witted personality, beautifully voiced by Mel Blanc, Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. Is one of the greatest TV or movie characters ever created. Um, he has his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame.
1: He does and rightly so, I think.
0: And he's the official mascot of Warner Brothers. Bugs is a, is a genius because he has outsmarted so many other other characters who've tried to mm. outsmart him. Uh, Yosemite Sam, Elmer Fudd, Daffy oh, Duck.
1: El- Elmer Fudd is another. They're, they're so good, Warner Brothers. He's kind of thwarted every man villains. He's another <laughs> Wally Coyote, isn't he?
0: They've all tried and failed uh, to bring Bug uh, down, and and other characters. You say Bugs Bunny. He deals with all traumas was nonchalantly chewing on a carrot, which Again, you know, it could be a, a metaphor for our times. What's up, Doc? At number three, uh, Top Cat and Bugs Bunny at number two. Um, what do you have at number two in your list? Um, well, I,
1: I do enjoy... Uh, by the way, Bugs Bunny as Napoleon is one of my fa- my favourite all-time <laughs> personas as well, really. He manages to, like you said, be nauseous with one arm tucked in. He still manages to kind of navigate his way through life, but not in the smug way that Roadrunner does. So, mm. so no, I agree that Bugs Bunny is a yeah, hero. So, late, so, speaking of sort of heroes that don't... Don't let life bother them. Mm. Um, I've become very keen on this recently. Um, my uh, my girlfriend and her son are big fans and I was always aware that I liked this but we watched it the other day and mm. in a time where I'm increasingly finding any kind of public, uh, sort of current affairs or news or politics incredibly wearing over here in the UK, mm. it is nice to escape to the world of what's in it. So So we, we go to number two which is the world of Bikini Bottom oh. which is, which is a, a, a town underneath the sea. Um, it is SpongeBob SquarePants and there are so many things that I love about this program. It's ridiculous theme tune which I will treat us to at the end which is so enjoyably daft. Um, I did, well, there's some debate as to my colleague who's lovely enjoyably asked me some very straight later questions about it when i was explaining about it. she said so tell me about spongebob who is he what does he do and so i thought that spongebob was a young boy in it he's meant to be a young boy Mm. according to the recent film spongebob squarepants film which i don't know why he's played such a key role in our podcast as we but the guest star in that is david hasselhoff but um brilliantly but um he is apparently thirty-two, according to that film, which which has just uh, a potentially troubling element about yes. this to me. But anyway, SpongeBob is works in uh, he as the theme goes, he, his house is a pineapple, and he lives in Bikini <laughs> Bottom. And um, he works in the Krusty Crab, which is a, a nearby diner where he flips um, he flips crab patties, and very much seems to enjoy his job. Has a best friend called Patrick, who really is who is a a, a particularly gormless starfish (laughs) that is often half-dressed and and incredibly dopey but they seem to be two silly boys that just really like being friends and even Spongebob's grumpy colleague Squidward can never quite bring himself to sort of truly dislike him despite being crotchety and it has the most incredibly odd storylines that are just so silly but so enjoyable. There is one recently where Patrick wakes up with a beard one day and is therefore seen instantly as an adult and someone that can be culturally improved and the beard of course turns out to be a sea enemy that have fallen on his face <laughs> fallen asleep on his face and in, and and the whole thing climaxes with SpongeBob having to sing opera in order to to win him over again it's that the thing i love about it is that it is just such gentle nonsense most of the time there are it, it, like I say, enjoyably odd storylines. My favourite ever is when Spongebob's house is taken over by a load of jellyfish who then have a rave and constantly play electronic <laughs> music. Some hero on YouTube has made a 10-hour continuous mix of the music, should that be something that you are interested in. But I th- I love it because it's 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 in hard times that we're going through at the moment. It's it's a very simple but very fun little cartoon that seems to, it is it's genuinely really funny at times, but is also just, just very gentle and just, SpongeBob is incredibly keen and over-enthusiastic, but just very good-natured. And he is, is constantly... He's someone else that is constantly kind of thought of. There was one on recently where he had to look after a friend of his that was a bubble, ums nephew, either son or... I think it was his son... Came came to visit SpongeBob and was incredibly naughty, but SpongeBob couldn't see this at any point, and you know kept running after him to try and stop him. They went into various factories that made sharp things to try and stop him from being kind of injured. And SpongeBob doesn't lose faith at any point and doesn't and doesn't you know (laughs) doesn't realize how badly behaved this bubble child is. And then unfortunately is popped by SpongeBob, who then has to then then the dad turns up and sort of blows the sun out again using a bubble blowing machine, and then it's fine. But it's. There's just something about it that is so surreal, but it's so um I love the fact that the hero is genuinely a nice person, he's, he's quite dippy but he just seems to keep going through life and I really admire SpongeBob and his helpfulness and actually we were saying he's quite a good role model for small children, I'm quite a fan <laughs> needless to say, Christian fundamentalists over in America have completely lost it because they think that him and Patrick are gay yeah. but, you know, but it's like for God's sake, it makes me laugh that like no one was thinking that until you said it, so in a way you have sort of ruined your, you know, you, once again you've reigned on your own parade Christian evangelists of America and beyond. But, um, no, I'm a big fan of SpongeBob. But I think it's such a, a lovely... It's a genuinely lovely programme that manages to be daft, yet satisfying at the same time. I think it's great.
0: I'm always a little fearful of the world of Bikini Bottom because I'm quite scared of fish and the whole undersea <laughs> thing.
1: I mean, it is, it is rather boned fish base but, it's yeah. a, but, it, but it manages to be fairly diverse as it, well they, it's do, it's they do have people they that go that's a squirrel there's the squirrel in the help the squirrel, that they go yeah. with the sea to explain science to them
0: it's, it's superbly written as it's, it's some terrific characters but I, I always feel a lot of empathy for poor old mrs puff and her uh, her boating school and she's yes. always trying to evaluate whether spongebob can be let loose to drive a boat and uh, she seems to be constantly doomed to repeat um, you know the same issue every time with SpongeBob as he tries to learn to to, oh, to drive a boat. It
1: was a particularly lovely one on the other day, which, and spoilers alert if anybody's, mm. sorry to constantly spoil SpongeBob SquarePants to people, but there's a scene where, where SpongeBob has to give a presentation at the at, at the boating school mm. and becomes incredibly nervous, knows it, but is incredibly nervous, and it ends up with this ridiculous chase through town, <laughs> at which point SpongeBob is then apprehended by the police, and they, they say, you know, don't you realise that you were driving a dangerous city? And at which point he goes, yes I do, and then gives his presentation on boating safety to the police officers who think he is brilliant and then when Mrs Puff turns up then take Mrs Puff away for not teaching people properly so uh, so Spongebob does, does win in the end but that's like you say again Mrs Puff is rather thwarted at all times really because Spongebob I think does know how to drive a boat but is not always uh, not always very mindful of that No
0: he, he floors it all the time doesn't he he just puts his foot down on, on the
1: But on he, the he always ends up in situations which require it to be flawed that's the thing <laughs> Rather as the
0: office or faulty towers shot into our world as superb tv series but stayed only a short while uh, to remain as classics so too did one of the absolutely greatest tv shows of all time only 17 episodes each 20 minutes long uh, were, were created but each episode brought excitement and tension in the form of a breathtaking Contest. I refer, of course, to wacky races. Oh,
1: it's br- what what a brilliant program! What a brilliant choice. It was
0: originally aired in 1968, 69. Uh, we saw the ten racers compete to see who would win the cartoon equivalent of a Grand Prix um, each week, and there was there was the glamorous Penelope pit stop. There was Professor Pat Pending and the Boy Racer, all the girls swooned over Peter Perfect.
1: Oh yes, indeed. But and my... uh, who, who were the um, the Caveman Brothers? I oh, was the, the... they liked them. That's they...
0: right; they were my favourites. The favourites mm. they, they were the, the grunting Slag Brothers in the Bouldermobile. <laughs> and Jeopardy was introduced uh, by the. Terrible, frankly terrible antics of Dick Dastardly and Mm. Muttley, who would stop at nothing to try and win in their mean machine. Um, So, yeah, one of the the most engaging and exciting cartoons of all time. I'm putting it at at number one, but I'm putting it at 1B because I'm also um, agreeing with you that your number one is the number one of all time.
1: Well, it is, and anybody that has any kind of interaction with me will not be in the least bit surprised to say that I picked The Simpsons. Um, I Before I go on to The Simpsons, there were so many other cartoons I could have picked. I love cartoons. Mm. I think they're so good. Mm. I don't know why people are so sniffy about them, particularly cartoon themes. A Sort of my 3B choice that nearly crept in <laughs> but didn't is a an odd little cartoon... So, I used to watch ITV children's programming a lot when I was younger, and for some reason they never seemed to have very much money, and that when in the summer holidays, on, on the sort of weekday mornings, they used to throw the most random stuff in, where you'd think, <laughs> they've obviously bought this on the cheap from Europe, to pad out their things, and they bought this weird little cartoon called Mr Rossi, I don't know if you're familiar no, with it, that, no. It's it, quite a lot of it was, was dubbed, and um, it's it's got a beautiful theme tune, which I would recommend we'll try and tweet it later on Mm. it's italian it's often very badly dubbed um it had a lifespan incredibly of 15 years but when it comes to philosophy when it comes to politics when it comes to comments on life really i do think the simpsons is the greatest just because it's social commentary particularly in its early seasons and i think this is largely received wisdom Mm. that the The Simpsons one to ten are the only seasons that are really consistently worth bothering with. With sort of two to eight slash nine is the real kind of hot spot of their of their output, and they have so, it has so much to say about life. And this is why I get annoyed when people dismiss cartoons as being somehow inferior because they are cartoons. Because The Simpsons is possibly one of the greatest TV programs of all time because it has so much to say about the world on so many different levels that it can wear lightly because it is a cartoon. And everything about it, I just love. The fact that the the main characters are so well-drawn, there is this endless kind of supply of side characters that come in and come out in a lot of shows. The program will be about Bumblebee Man, the uh, the the man that appears in his own skits on Channel Ocho, um, d- dressed as a bumblebee and speaking constantly in Spanish, and being before be, be, having various disasters before him in real life as well as in his slapstick program. I mean, the fact that there is a TV station with so many different presenters on it that we all know. The fact that the the, the Kent Brockman and Arnie Arnie Artie Pie in the Skies, the weatherman's constant <laughs> feud that often spills over on air. That is a programme within a programme. The fact that its level of humour is such that they have a Consumer of Prayers programme called Ion Springfield and someone writes in to complain about what happened on the Consumer of Prayers programme so then they have to have another one called Ion Ion Springfield which I remember tweeting during the BBC McAlpine Jimmy Savile crisis. Newsnight briefly turned into Ion Ion Springfield in order to examine something that had happened on Newsnight. I think it's it's such a a detailed programme such a a warm program at times and it, i think it became less good when it lost that kind of warmth and the idea that it was a program about family life really and about sort of the stressings and strains of, of being sort of blue collar family in america just trying to sort of make ends meet really and i, I there's just so much about it it's endlessly quotable i think if you it's had such a cultural impact that you know if you're of an age you know Uh, not just Millennial, but I think if you can speak Simpson, it's a bit like being able to speak football. My best friends can speak Simpson, if you see what I mean. There is something about it that just sort of, I inherently think people are okay people. It's it's an awful way to judge people. Some people judge people by their record collections. I judge people by, well, if they have knowledge and affection for the Simpsons, can they be all bad?
0: (laughs) Simpsons number one for many, I'm I'm sure, and just one of the greatest uh, conceptions of all time. Consistently brilliant, and I, I So I agree with you. One of the keys to its success is the detail uh, devoted to the supporting cast from Millhouse to Seymour Skinner to Burns and Smithers, Krusty Kent Brockman. Absolutely the greatest
1: absolutely, and it gave them infinite options to mm. do with, the fact that home, Homer's ha- perfect neighbours that he hates I mean, every again <laughs> you find yourself, you should sympathise with Ned Flanders, but yet you find yourself falling on Homer's Homer's sort of side every single time because they are so annoying like you say, they're sort of infinite and we've all met those characters <laughs> before you know, the sarcastic bloke that runs the comic book shop, the unhinged guy that runs the, 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 the military memorabilia shop, I mean ev- everything about them is just, is just so, like you say, they're just infinite, I mean, even the school, even the music teacher who's perpetually cross about with the kids, and you know, Huey Largo, I mean, it's just all these characters that that, you know, are not in it very often, yet we all know them, and we all know what they're about.
0: Um, but we're referring back to the world of Bikini Bottom to take us take us out today.
1: Yes, and I apologise in advance for this constant earworm that's been plaguing me mm. for about a week. But I think it just sums up the fun world of SpongeBob and how daft it is. And I think it is my ambition now to go on Desert Island Discs so I can pick this <laughs> as one of my eight and get this onto Radio 4. So if you're listening, people, um, yeah, that needs to happen. But no, I just, this is such fun. And I just think, you know, in a world where, you know, there are lots of, difficult things happening at the moment. It's nice to have a bit of darkness. So I do um it is my great pleasure to introduce to you. Um there is a whole album of this by the way. If you are interested, which you know, who knows? There might be people that are as old as me out there. Um taken from the album SpongeBob's Greatest Hits, which came out in two thousand and nine, which is credited to SpongeBob SquarePants and includes um such hits as the Goofy Goober song, the Campfire Song song, and Where's Gary, the ode to his pet snail who is called Gary that lives in his, lives in his house. Um, this is uh, SpongeBob SquarePants and SpongeBob SquarePants theme tune.
2: Are you ready kids? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, oh, aye, Captain! Oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? What? Be something you wish. Drop on the deck and flop like a fish. Sponge Bob Square Pants. Sponge Bob Square Pants. Sponge Bob Square Pants. Sponge Bob Square Pants.
1: You have been listening to a DACA media production.